Welcome to the Wonder Women series of the Maker Mom podcast. My name is Katie Freeman. I am your host. Every week I bring you two interviews of female and non-binary makers of all kinds, and some of them are parents, some of them are not. This week's Wonder Women episode is with Bronte Freeman of Freeman Fabrication in Canada. Uh, Bronte is a superb welder making all kinds of different creations and I think you'll really enjoy this interview just as much as I enjoyed talking with her. Before we hop into this interview though I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much Christy, Twisted Twine, Christina B, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Lauren Rasp File Designs, Sven uh, Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tool Mom Bonnie Tool Mom Store.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou Made by Mary Lou, Amy Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan and Carter Designs. All right. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing and continued support, helping me to produce two episodes a week every month. All right. With no further ado, here is Bronte Freeman. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so we'll go ahead and get started. And yeah, I let my guests introduce themselves. So I'm going to let you say whatever you want to say about yourself. Okay. Uh, Bronte Freeman is my name. I'm 29. I currently live on the farthest west coast in Victoria, BC with my partner and our seven-year-old Bernie's Mountain Dog, who also duels as Shop Dog. Unfortunately, she's not here today, but if you slide over to our Instagram, I'm sure you'll find her. Um, I'm the owner and lead the only welder currently at Freeman Fabrication and we specialize in custom metal fabrication and furniture design. Awesome. Uh, I'm not gonna lie the fact that your name is Freeman definitely was like a high point of like well I have to have you on the podcast. <laughs> I love that. My parents love that too. Yeah um, I am Freeman by marriage. My wife's name was it, last name is Freeman. So I went from, it was totally like one of those discussions, you know, like getting married, like, especially as two women, I feel like you have more opportunities for like what you're going to do with your last name. Right. And so it was like, she was like, we could totally just keep our own last names or whatever. And I was a waterman and I'm like, hell no, I have an opportunity to go from W to F. I am taking W to F. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah yeah uh I never want to lose my last name that's why I made it my business name now it's, it's like right. 
it's in concrete. It's never changing. It's right. And I already was like thinking at that point in time in my mind, like Freeman furnishings would be an absolutely awesome name and Freeman Fabrications. It just rolls off the tongue. I love the alliteration. Yeah. Is right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So before we get into like how you got into welding um, and furniture making, I want to chat a bit about your childhood and ask, you know, where did you grow up and what kind of things were you interested in as a kid? All right. Um, I grew up in very rural Ontario uh, with my three sisters. So there's four of us in total and my parents. Um, Yeah, growing up with three sisters, uh, I kind of took on that role pretty soon of being dad's number one lady. So um, my parents have always been self-employed pretty well, pretty well all the way through, Um, whether it was like managing a gas station or uh, my dad had a tire shop for a really long time. And then my mom was a stay at home mom with four girls. And then my parents ended up opening because my mom is a fantastic baker ended up opening a wholesale bakery and it transitioned into a retail location in this small community. So um, yeah, that, that's kind of, I think what we can transition into the business part later, but I think that growing up in an entrepreneurial family really kickstarted me feeling very comfortable in this role as a business owner, but growing up, um, love sports. Um, my dad always had like little, little pit bikes or little ATVs. So we got on riding early (laughs) on our small acre property. There was always a little, you know, oval track. (laughs) Um, So I felt really comfortable around uh, bikes and tools. Um, I believe I like striked in junior kindergarten for a couple months and told mom I wasn't going to school. I was just going to go work at the tire shop with dad. And uh, eventually the school called and they were like, I'm sorry, Miss Freeman, you're going to have to send your daughter back. Like, <laughs> not going to pass junior kindergarten. And I was having so much fun with dad. Um, yeah. And sports, I ended up getting quite competitively into uh, ATV racing, which seems pretty get, like uh, hick-like, but it was, it was a very competitive um, sport for sure. And I did that all, all the way up until I headed out for university. Okay. So so one of four girls where's your birth order in that I'm third that that middle that middle role yeah (laughs) um all of you into into the you said ATV and kind of uh sport bike type stuff yeah we all kind of for a short period would like ripping around the yard and then couple of my sisters got banged up and then they were like, nah, I'm done. I'm going to go into dance or I'm going to go into music. And then I was just like, oh yeah, all day. So I really picked it up and, and went with it for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So when you went to university, what'd you go to school for? Uh, great question. I <laughs> was also pretty competitive into basketball and volleyball. So I went out to Nova Scotia, which is on the East coast of Canada and I went to St. FX and I took a human kinetics degree. So like a, a sports related degree. Mm. So I is to be- that, is that like physical education type stuff or is that like sports medicine type stuff? Yeah, they kind of branched out. I thought I was going to want to go into more of like a sports psychology or like an athletic therapist position. And then I 
realized very soon after that four-year degree, I had no interest. <laughs> I, and then I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and stumbled upon trades. Okay. So <clears throat> does that mean you, you learned as in you got a job and decided this wasn't for me type thing? I didn't even really pursue a job after university. I kind of just, I think if like, actually, to be honest, in like second or third year, I kind of gave mom and dad a call and was like, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to tap out. I think I'm good. I think I've done enough here. Thank you so much for this opportunity. <laughs> and they were like, you know what? No, you know, you should really stick it out. Like you love being on the East coast. Um, so I stuck it out. I got the degree. I got the really cool ring that comes with the university. And, and then I think after that, I was kind of like, Oh, what next? Like, I don't want to move forward with this. So I actually picked up bought a I bought a Bernie's Mountain Dog with my student loans that was number one right out of college <laughs> thought that was a really great investment and I packed up after like spending a summer with my family and I I moved to the west coast and I ended up in Whistler BC actually and uh it's like a ski you know mountain bike uh okay. town village I guess and uh yeah we stayed there for about a year and then I I uh, decided to pop over to Victoria and, and start pursuing welding. Got it. That's another, there's, there's more to that, but you can, you can pick and choose what you want. From you okay. Um, so I, I feel like, like you were familiar with trades because of your dad. I mean, a lot of what he did is all considered like trades work, right? Um, Absolutely. But more on the mechanic side. Is that what he would? Definitely. There was never really any welding growing up. Like you're not from, from his side. A lot into like the bikes and tire work. Yeah, I'm sure mechanics for sure. He's just mm -hmm. a hard hand guy. Yeah. So like, so I wouldn't say like, I feel like you didn't necessarily discover the trades, but it feels like you discovered welding. Like how did you discover welding? As something True. to even look at. True. Um, so I was home one Christmas, uh, 2016, and my uncle needed help in his shop. My uncles are both um, have welding experience. They're also super handy guys living in rural Ontario. You need to be. And uh, he needed help. I popped over, and he was welding up this uh, uh, gate. I think or I can't really remember, but. Uh, I asked if I could help and he was like, oh yeah, like give her a try. And as soon as I tried, I was like, oh yeah, this is sweet. I would really like to look into this further. Like I was like mesmerized immediately. And then I started doing more research and kind of figuring out how versatile welding was. It's, I feel like everyone thinks of welding and think like, oh, you're on the oil rigs or you're, you're in, you know, up North just doing 12 hour shifts. And, and there's so much more to welding. Like it's so versatile. And I was really drawn towards the creative side of it. Yeah, so I mean, I've had. Um, you're not my first welder. I think you're my, you're my third welder, fourth welder. You're my fourth welder on the podcast. Um, something that I've always like. I actually, I I have like a little make welder and everything, but I don't weld because welding and sawdust just don't mix very well. Um, <laughs> uh, so I haven't really gotten into it, but it is something I'm extremely fascinated by have been since college I had the opportunity to try it when I was at university here in the states but um 
there's a difference between like certified welder, which is kind of like what I think you're talking about when you're talking about like oil rigs and like, you know, certain like industrial welding. And then there is that like, I guess, artistic welding. Um, So did you go through like a full on uh, certification uh, program, become a certified welder? Yeah, I did the in Canada and in BC specifically, there's a foundation level, which is your C level, and it's seven months. And at the end of that, you write an exam so that you're certified and a skills test. Um, And then, so I did that first right off the bat. And I got into the field because I recommend you go back into the field, get a little bit more experience. So I worked for a railing shop for a little bit. And then actually women in trades, which at this specific college, I went to Camosun College in Victoria, has an amazing women in trades program. And they actually called me up and like, uh, do you want to go back to school? Like there's a spot, we'll, we'll pay for you to go back and do your B level. So the B level is where you get your red seal at the end. Um, and I was like, yeah. and they're like, we'll pay for it. And I was like, okay, amazing. So that really pushed me to get all my certifications. Absolutely. Um, very fortunate for that program. Otherwise, I, I'm not sure whether I would have went back. Um, and then that's a four month program, I believe. Um, and then you write your exam at the end of it. So yeah, I have all of my certifications and, and all my pretty stamps. <laughs> so did you go, did you go back into industry at all after you got your B level? I did for a very, very short period of time, right out of, while I was in the B program, actually, I went out and bought myself a welder and that's where I started kind of, uh, building things for myself. So I was building a lot of coffee tables and like a shelving unit for my apartment and, um, just kind of playing around with it. Uh, my family was very supportive. They were always like, Oh, make me this, make me that. I'll throw you a couple bucks. So that was really nice. And then it kind of branched out into friends asking for things. And by the time I was finished my B level, I worked on weekends for an aluminum company. We were making sports equipment, uh, like rugby machines. I don't know whether you're familiar with sport. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes, Maybe. I am familiar with this. Oh, well, okay. I am gay. I am familiar <laughs> with the support of like rugby. Okay, that's, 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 <laughs> um, yeah, my, my partner plays rugby. So I think I got the connection through her and and she hooked me up with this guy and he made equipment and I would work there on the weekends. And then I had this tiny, tiny, tiny little shot on my, my buddy's property. And yeah, I was, I don't know how I made it, but I just, I was selling things for next to nothing and just trying to make it work and then working for this guy on the weekend to fund my my mm-hmm. other hustle and uh yeah I really didn't go back into the industry after that I just kind of even though my parents were like get back out there get a little bit more experience I was like you know what I think I can do this so yeah they were also very supportive I think they just had to say that as parents <laughs> they just had to be yeah. like, a little bit more experience you might be going bankrupt yeah that's that's definitely like a a parent or mom thing to do right it's like worried about our kids making sure that they like aren't gonna starve to death Um. (laughs) very fortunate for my parents like buying furniture that I'm sure they really didn't need in their house because they wanted me to be able to pay rent so thank you mom thank you dad (laughs) so okay why furniture I mean, there is like, even in the art welding world, there's like so many different avenues you could take. So why furniture? 
Um, honestly, furniture is where it started. And I think it really was just because um, I was also a part of the wood portion at the very beginning of the business, um, which was way out of my league. I, I know very basic, you know, how to finish a table, you know, how to flatten a table. Um, once you get into joinery and all that, no thank you. Um, but I was at the beginning of the business kind of getting uh, stuck by trying to learn all those new things on the fly for the wood portion um, until I was contacted by a really talented uh, woodworker in town and he was like, how would I take over your wood portion portion and you just you know stick with you know your welding and then we collaborated on quite a few pieces and that's kind of where I got um, a bit more traction outside of my friend group and outside of my family and uh, now though there's been a transition in the past eight months because I moved from a very small shop in the middle of nowhere into a very uh, like downtown location and it has walk-in traffic and um a bit about that is, I don't know if you want me to go deep into that, but yeah. it really is where the bit has made the business where it is now. Um, I was reaching out to like fellow welders, fellow tradespeople being like, I really need a location downtown. Like the, the business is capped. I can't get any bigger out where I am. And everyone was like, good luck. It's really hard in Victoria. It's so competitive for shop space and it's so expensive. So then I um, reached out to one welder and he was like, I think you need to get in contact with Bill. And I was like, who's Bill? I'll call him. I'll show up. Like, who is he? And he was like, ah, oh, like it's hard to catch him. He's kind of retired, semi-retired, but he has this shop space downtown. And I was like, so I called Bill up. He's like, sorry, Bronte, the shop's not available yet. And then three months later, I was bummed. I was thinking about like moving to England with my partner because she wanted to play rugby over there. And I was like, you know what? I'll put all the to tools away. I'll go to England. I'll be a bartender. And then I got a call on my birthday last year, October 31st from Bill. And he was like, Hey Bronte, I think I'm ready. Like come down to the shop and we'll, we'll discuss like numbers and you kind of taking over. So his proposition was that he wanted to retire and not have to worry about selling off every individual tool. So I took over the space and I bought him out of all of his tools and he graciously gave me 30 years worth of clientele. So it was really, really amazing. <laughs> Bill kind of like catapulted the business for me for sure because it opened up not just furniture but all metal fabrication and it's been this year has been so amazing yeah awesome that that's awesome I have to pause oh, for one second it. yeah I have to pause for one second your birthday is Halloween my birthday is Halloween yep I that's just a pretty 29. that's a pretty fantastic birthday <laughs> fun I always got to dress up and everyone gave me candy so it was never a bad thing <laughs> that's right <laughs> um all right so I mean being able to take kind of take over that business from Bill so not just furniture you said now you get to do you're doing kind of a whole slew of oh, different yeah. things it's I felt like I was in a way kind of limiting myself to furniture I wasn't um yeah, and, and, and now everything comes through the door, like gates, railings. I recently did my first set of stairs, which is, was crazy. Um, yeah, a, a lot of furniture design as well because of how many woodworkers are in, are in town. Um, but yeah, a, a lot more than furniture. But I do post a lot more about furniture because it's a bit more appealing to people. But yeah.
I'll tell a joke. My wife came out of the office. That's not allowed. So I hear she's like talking on the phone <laughs> out there and I'm like, no. Interrupting <laughs> my time. That's right. <clears throat> um, so that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. Do you see it? So yeah, on your Instagram, you're posting more of the furniture and stuff, but do you see um, pushing things on that artistic side more into not just furniture, but like lighting or like sculptural pieces or um, any, I guess, interest there or desire to go further down that art track? Not exactly. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not very artistic in that sense. Um, I think I have a good idea for like um, style and I have a good eye for for kind of the ergonomics of a, of a piece and how it should flow. But um, I don't think artistically getting into like the small finicky things that would give me, oof, I, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I, I The people that do very... Um, uh, intricate, intricate and like uh, small artistic pieces that turn into like a massive dragon yeah, like yeah. that's amazing like congratulations I would never have the patience so I think <laughs> yeah I think that moving forward I'd like to I think right now I'm I'm trying to navigate whether I want to specialize in something because what comes through the door is just everything and anything and and I never want to say no to work um I think eventually I'd like to specialize. I know that on the website, I do a lot of the planters, which are really popular, aluminum planters and, uh, and furniture bases are popular. It's hard to say. I think I, I still need to navigate where I want to end up, but I think I do eventually need to specialize in one area because there's, there's just so, there's so much that you mm -hmm. Nice to hone in. There's a lot of guys that are doing a lot of people that are doing either exclusively railings or they're doing exclusively stair stringers or um, exclusively planters. So maybe that is why I have a lot of business and, and people like coming here because I do kind of do a little bit of everything. I was going to say, do you see an upside to, to narrowing the scope? That's a good question too. It's, it's really hard to say, but right now I think that I do get a lot of work from other fabricators in town because it's almost like they don't want to get outside of their really niche mm -hmm. market. So it opened, I do also like the fact that I'm not doing one thing every day that it's different and it's challenging. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say if there was one thing that really took off and, and, and I love doing it every day. Um, I'd probably go into that. I really like making the planters. I mm -hmm. love the finishing details of that. Cause it's not like you can just slap a weld on there and throw it out the door. Like it's like a four step process to get that thing. So it's like, so. <laughs> well, and <clears throat> you said aluminum and welding aluminum is a whole different ball of wax oh, yeah. <laughs> than, than welding steel. Right. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not. So, I mean, did you have experience from, from your, your trades program stuff with, different material types or is that is that self-taught yeah no we got a it was primarily uh steel mm -hmm. and then we got to dabble at the end of the course with aluminum and we did a bit sorry in my b-level course with stainless mm. um stainless tig and stainless uh tig aluminum 
and steel, I guess. So um, I didn't have much aluminum experience, but the two shops that I worked for outside of schooling were both aluminum shops. So mm-hmm. I had to learn a lot on the fly because I was a welder's assistant in my first welding mm-hmm. uh, position or my first job. So yeah, I had to l- learn a lot really quickly because we only got a small portion of welding aluminum in school. So a lot self-taught. Okay. So definitely not necessarily familiar, personally familiar with your part of the world, but I want to have an understanding of what it looked like, what it looks like uh, to be you in the welding space, like both in, in the trades program. I mean, I know you said it was like um, the, the women of trades, you know, sent you back for the next level, but <clears throat> I know those programs exist to help get more women into those types of fields. Um, what was the class makeup like when you're going through both the C and the B programs? That's a good question because it was very different. Um, in the first uh, section, which would be my C level, sorry, I keep knocking the table. Um, my first level for C, it was actually split right down the middle, which I think there might have actually been six females and like five males actually there might have been more females than males um but uh the way that the course is actually set up it's very self-driven so you have a list of all these things that you have to complete and you have to get approval or like signed off from your instructor but you're gonna get as much out of the program as you want to take from it and there was myself and another female classmate that were really driven and really wanted to like prove ourselves within the uh, program and our instructor was awesome. He picked up on that really, really early on and he kind of almost like pitted us against each other and then would also like make it a bit of a competition between us <laughs> and, the, and the males as well, just so that we could, you know, challenge our skills because you have to learn so much. Like you have to perfect your craft in that seven month program as, along with learning so many different processes and so many different positions. Like if you, if you just go in and you sit on your phone in your welding booth all day, you're not going to be a good welder at the end of it. So um, I didn't feel uh, limited by that specific instructor, but there were times where we would have like a, he would go on holidays over the seven months and we would have a new instructor come in. And I always felt that um, because myself and this other classmate were quite a bit ahead of our classmates. If not, we were, you know, close to the, the guys were close or such. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always felt that the new instructor coming in, I had a couple situations where I felt like, oh, this is a bit different. Uh, I felt like I had to prove myself again to this new instructor. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like my classmates that were male had to. And they'd almost like, I don't know whether this is exclusively just the men that came in and, and their personalities, but I, f- I, I would get frustrated because I'd be like, why is he questioning that I'm on level seven when he's not questioning buddy down there, that's on level six, like, and he would, this specific instructor that I'm speaking about would be like, well, no, I'm going to have to see like this step and this step, which is something I'd already completed. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if I believe that you're already at this point, whereas mm-hmm. he's at this point. And it was, it was at first frustrating, but it's also very satisfying when you can prove that person wrong. And <laughs> that was the silver lining in that experience. Cause I would just be like, all right, I'll do it again. Like whatever. And then they'd be like, okay, yep, you're where you need to be, move along. But 
it was almost like two or three times throughout that sea level where I had to do that and prove myself. But it was really nice that I could. <laughs> did, you have, did you have any female instructors? I had none. And when I finished the program, I told my instructor, I was like, I'll see you in like 15 years. I'm going to take your job. Because <laughs> I was just like, there needs to be more representation. Like, yeah. Especially because, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember even in my, in my B level, when I went back, I was the only female in that entire course. And that, that made it pretty obvious that um, a lot of women leaving the C level either didn't get enough training to come back or they, they weren't making it in the trade. So they didn't pursue the B level because the B level is like, okay, you're a welder, you're going to get your red seal. So, um, I never, I didn't really feel, I've always kind of felt really comfortable in those environments because mm -hmm. I've been in competitive sport and competitive racing where it's very male occupied, not dominant occupied. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I think for me, I, I almost like thrive in those environments because I, I, I want to prove myself. I'm not afraid to prove myself. And I know that I have my sound arrogant, but like, I know that I'm going to back up my, what I have to yeah. say. Like, and if I don't, I'm going to work my ass off to get there. So, um, I think that might have a lot to do with my upbringing. Like my parents, like never told us we couldn't do anything. Like they were always very supportive and mm -hmm. yeah, I think that that set me up for being in a, a very male occupied trade. That was a when lot. no, when you <laughs> when you <laughs> don't mind my pause, don't mind my pause. Um, there was a lot. There. I, I wanna. I guess I wanna specifically about like when you said going from going back for your B and not you know seeing a lot of women in that space. Out of the entire building, there was myself and one other female for the entire shift. So on there seven hours a day, just hanging out with the boys. <laughs> um, Let me tell it's hard, mm. hard to fit into the conversation sometimes. Yeah. Hey makers, do you know Lauren of Rasp and File Designs? Well, if you don't, you should definitely go check out her work. You can find her on Instagram, Rasp File Designs. Lauren is making all kinds of cool furniture and home decor pieces out of live edge uh, hardwoods and metal bases. Um, that's not all she does though, so you should really go check her out and see what she's up to, especially as holiday seasons are coming up. And I know all of us makers really enjoy making our own Christmas presents, but perhaps you're running out of time, so you want to maybe go check out Lauren. She's in the D.C. area, so especially those who are close uh, location-wise to her. So go ahead, go check her out at Raspfile Designs on Instagram, and let's get back to the episode. Hey makers, today's episode is brought to you by Tool Mom and Company, or some of you know her as Tool Mom Bonnie. Uh, she has all kinds of tool related merchandise of gifts and clothing for all ages and genders available at Tool Mom Store. 
coffeemugs.com. I have two of the coffee mugs. One says go girl and it has a circular saw with flames coming off the back which is super sweet. And then the other one is the definition of a tool chick which just makes you feel kind of badass when you're drinking out of it. So if you are in the market, especially as we're getting close to Christmas, for any tool-related merchandise, be that gifts or clothing, make sure you head on over to toolmomstore.com. And extra bonus, you can receive 20% off at checkout if you use the coupon code MAKERMOM. All right, let's jump back into the episode. I will just say I can relate to that on so many different levels. Um, um, I have had like conversations, you know, outside of like this maker community, just conversations with women who, you know, just chatting with them and, and whatever they're doing now, finding out that they were, they went to school to be a welder. And they could not get a job after going to school as a welder. They felt very much so like just sending that resume in with their name on it. That was clearly a female name, like that they didn't even get a second glance. Um, It was just assumed like they didn't even have the capability, even though they passed the same program and everything, you know, that everybody else did. Um, and so it's when you said specifically, like, you know, maybe women aren't getting in that enough experience, work experience and stuff. I could see that being the case. I mean, did you ever, did you feel once you were in a work environment, like that it was ever questioned? I mean, you came out of this program, you had, you had that same training, like, was it ever questioned? Yeah. Yeah, I can think of one specific example. I just finished my B-level and I took my parents' advice for a hot sec. <laughs> I took it and I was like, you know what? I'll go out and I'll get, uh, I would like to specifically learn more about TIG welding. So I went to a company locally that does exclusively stainless TIG and like copper and they do brewery equipment and like distillery equipment. And I was like, that is a wicked job because mm-hmm. I want to retire owning a a brewery for sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's a pipe dream. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went and I, I don't know whether because I have more of an androgynous name, like a, it's not like a Sarah or, you know, right. Right. Maybe that gives me a bit of an advantage um, because most people, they can't even pronounce my name. They just look, they're like, uh, Brock. Okay, cool. Like, (laughs) yeah. That, that might be um, a bit of an advantage that I haven't really thought about. Um, I'm almost, I'm also quite a, a large woman. I'm almost like six feet tall. So I don't know whether that also assists me. My, my stature is, you know, larger. <laughs> that sounds weird, but yeah. Um, uh, but I went to this company to stay on track uh, and I dropped off a resume and that guy was like, oh, like, let's just have you come into the shop and we'll do a couple test samples. And he's like, do you have a helmet? And I was like, yeah. So I ran, ran to the truck, grabbed my helmet, ran in, like so nervous being like, I haven't welded stainless tanks since school, like having a bit of a heart right. attack. And he threw me in a corner and he gave me a couple test pieces. And he's like, here's the welder, set it up and I'll be back in 30 minutes. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. So I like 
I've never worked with a specific welder. It took me probably like 10, 15 minutes to set it up. One thing that threw me off was it was a uh, trigger torch. And I had only at this point worked with either uh, a TIG pedal or like a scratch start. So that immediately I was like, okay, sweet. Never welded with this kind of torch before. He also <laughs> put me on a machine that was all messed up. So I had to dial it all in. That took a bit of time. So he, I don't know whether he does this for everyone. Um, I think he might, but um, I, it took me probably like two or three tries. The first tries I was burning with stainless. So I was like, shit, it's too hot. So I'm trying to get everything dialed in as quick as possible and deliver a decent weld for this guy. I finally get the welding machine dialed in. I'm like, all right, I feel great about this. Feeling super nervous. I run my first bead, I pull my helmet up and I'm like, damn, that is nice. And I was so happy. I don't know what happened. Something came through my body and just performed <laughs> probably the adrenaline. And I felt very confident handing over these samples. And he looked, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I hand him the samples and he goes, oh, you can obviously weld. And I remember being like, that's why I'm here. I was like, why, why? <laughs> and in that moment, I was like, oh, at least like, it was almost like I forgot I was a female. I just thought it was, a, you know, everyone showing up the way right, everyone right. else shows up. And I think that has to do with my upbringing a little bit. I feel like almost like naive to the fact that I should be worried about my skills. I should be, con I don't know how I want to put that, but um, I didn't feel like I was showing up not ready to perform, you know, like I didn't mm -hmm. feel like I was already at an advantage. So he brings me over to this bin in the shop and he goes, we have someone come in almost every day wanting a job here. And he showed me the scrap bin and it was all these burnt samples of stainless burnt samples. He's like, those are from the three guys yesterday. And he was like, then he brings me into the office. So he throws my samples in there, my pretty samples. <laughs> and he brings me into the office and he goes, we don't have any females on staff. Is it going to be an issue for you working with the guys? And I remember being shocked by that question as well. I was like, I, I'm quite cheeky and I like to play off humor. And I was like, are they going to have an issue working with me? Because I don't have an issue working with that. And he was just like, all right, you start next week. And I remember being like, hmm. I went home. I told my parents I was stoked that I did a great job on the, the test. And I remember calling him back and just being like, you know what? No, thank you. I, I just was like, I, I just got a vibe. Like he didn't need to point out right. <laughs> an issue. And I felt like he set me up in a corner to fail. Mm -hmm. He wanted me to fail almost, or he wants everyone that comes in to fail. I'm, I'm unsure. I don't know the guy very well, but um, I don't know that. That question was like, we don't have any females on staff. Are you going to be an issue for us? Is pretty much what he said. And I wanted to be like, well, number one, I'm gay. <laughs> so it's going to be a hard no for me. And two, uh, I don't know. I don't see there being a problem. So. Right. If that helps you answer questions. That was one of, <laughs> one of my experiences. It does. It helps me answer a question. Yeah. It, it, again, it's it's not an uncommon, and, and I don't want to even speak to it specifically being like a trades thing versus anything else. Um, my professional career, I walk into a lot of manufacturing companies and I'm dealing with uh, upper management. Yeah. Um, I get similar type, you know, type of, uh, 
questions or type of comments being made um, by highly educated males, yeah. right? That should know better than to say something yeah. like that. Um, and transition that into me owning my own business now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, is that why? I mean, that's why I would do it, right? I mean, that's. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, like when I when I was like, I'm going to start my own welding business, my parents were like, good for you. Like, congrats. Like, you're skilled. You can do it. At, at the same time being like, you know, know that you're going to be, you're going to be pushing, you're going to be um, received with maybe some resistance. But I don't think they really ever like, they never ever discourage me in any way. They've been always very supportive. Yeah. Um, but there's times where I would answer the phone, be like, Bronte from Free Fabrication, how can I help? You know, and they'd be like, oh, well, we're hoping to speak with the welder. And I was like, I'm the only welder you got. Like, how can I help yeah. you? Like, this is my business. Probably once or twice a week that happens. Um, there's been times where I show up on site and they're like, oh, um, how can we help you? And I'm like, I'm carrying a welder. I'm here to weld your railings. And they'll be like, oh, we thought, uh, we thought your husband was coming. That was what I got once. And I was like, they're like, oh, I thought you were just answering the phones. I thought your husband would be the one. And I was like, nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I get that quite a bit. Recently, it's ever since I have this location, I am taking over clientele of, of, an, um, of a man. Right. So people come in and they're like, oh, we didn't know Bill hired someone new like, welcome to the shop. Some people are really um, positive, but then I have to remind them, oh no, I, I own the business. I bought Bill out in, in January. And they're like, oh, and they, I always get like a, oh, congratulations. That's really, that's really great for you. And it's like, if there was a 29 year old male here and he was saying that he took over a business, do, I, do you think that there would be the same response? Like, congratulations, that's such a great accolade of yours. Like, no, they'd just be like, oh, sweet. All right, well, here's my piece. Can you hold right. it? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, and I'm always like, okay, well, thank you for the positive feedback. But I just wonder if there right. was a, if there was a male that took over. But at the same time, <laughs> fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We but can I really mean, but I know, but I mean, Kind of in my mindset, right, that is one of the things that I enjoy about working for myself. So I work for myself both in my job job in a sense of I'm a consultant. Yes, I work through like a firm, but I have the power still to be like not taking that job, not working with those people anymore, right? And then in my woodworking, it's like, it is just me in that fucking shop. So there is yeah. nobody else there. And if, you know, uh, or I should say when I get to the point where I get to hire somebody else, it is never going to be a cis heterosexual male. It is never going to be that person. And so it is going to be, you know, somebody that whatever, not that person. So, you know, it's going to be giving opportunity and it's, and that's intentional, right? Like, sure. There's actually quite a few other furniture business in town and cabinet makers in town. And at one time I was like, well, maybe I should just go work for somebody else type thing. Um, but it's like, no, no, I really can't, especially the close. I mean, 
you just turned 29. I just turned 39 in September. So I am really chickens. I'm hit, but I'm hitting that point of like, I really just can't take much more (laughs) of like biting my tongue. I am really running out of patience for it. Um, I get, I get that totally. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's, I feel like specifically when you're owning your own business too, it's hard to navigate those waters too, because there's been issues that I've had recently with my suppliers and I feel like early on, like two, three years ago, when I started going out on my own, I really had to be cognizant of the suppliers I was using and how they spoke to me and how I felt that there might've been a mistreatment based on my gender or even my sexual, you know, mm-hmm. my sexuality, sorry. Um, there were a couple times that there were inappropriate comments made at a specific supplier and I was made it very clear that that was never going to happen again and uh, went to management about it. And they were like, that's unbelievable. Like you're one of our best customers. Like what? So um, I've only had one really unpleasant uh, experience with just someone that thought that they were being friendly and jokey because I'm jokey, but kind of took it too far. Um, and I just, I don't, I, yeah, I, I pick my suppliers based on my comfort level. And I don't believe that a lot of our, our male um, colleagues are doing the same. So. Agreed. Yeah. It's not something they even have to think about. No, um, they don't think about it. They don't think about showing up to a site and maybe not feeling safe or no. feeling comfortable. <laughs> no, <laughs> never or, has to cross their mind ever. No, never <laughs> once. Or like. Or yeah, feeling uncomfortable or feeling like there might be prejudice, you know, like it's just, yeah. And, and it's interesting because I do have a conversation about this very often with, um, with another tradesperson who's male and he's always like, you're looking for it. You're looking. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm actually not. Yeah. You are a white straight male in the same trade. Um, I don't want to make it about gender. My dad's always telling me not to, but at the same time, it's hard not to notice it because you see your, your colleague beside you potentially getting their, their, their skills are never questioned, whether they're great or shit. Whereas I'm constantly showing up, having to deliver the best product, because if my work doesn't speak for itself, like it has to speak for itself. Sorry. I'm getting lost in my words. I'm a bit fired up, but (laughs) you know, like I feel like I'm always second guessing my work too. Like I'm always wanting to be, I feel like that's why I've I've gotten more into the finishing detail side of fabrication because I want to be that product that's superior to my, to my competition. I want to deliver a product that is, you know, um, taking in those extra, extra steps. Like I don't want to just slap a weld on something and put it out the door. I want to be different. I want it to Mm -hmm. speak for itself and stand out. Yeah. But it does suck when I have those conversations and it's almost like they turn it like you're making it about you being a woman. It's not about you being a woman. I'm like, but it is, (laughs) but it is. You're Um, not here today when buddy walks through the door and he goes, Oh, are you a good welder? And I'm like, why do you think I would be here if I was a bad welder? Right. Do you want to see my credentials? Well, I'm not going to show you. The door's right there. Right. Like, you know why you came here. And you came here because I own my own business and you've seen my work before. Don't ask me if I can deliver a good product. You're here right. for a reason. Right. I know that sounds asshole. Like, no, I mean, it's the same thing I get. Like, if I'm telling just random, if I'm in a random conversation 
Uh, yeah. People don't know what I do, you know, and they ask that question, what do you do? And, and I'll be like, well, I, I design and make furniture. And they're like, oh, oh, wait, you do the woodworking part? Yeah. You, yeah. you know I, how to run power tools? <laughs> like, yeah. And then, and then usually I'll push it further. I said, yeah, I actually, I power carve is what I do. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. Use an angle grinder and I carve stuff away. And, and then, you know, they'll ask to see pictures and, and, and they'll be like, oh, oh, this is, that's really good. Like always that like, you know, moment of shock. Um, and, and it is, and it, it gets frustrating sometimes for me specifically. And with this podcast and here, especially if I listen to, um, male podcasts around making um and that whole thing being said of the like why do you have to say that you're a woman whatever and it's like why do you have to say you're a dad whatever like why like because that's part of your identity you're bringing this to the table and it does make a difference there is a difference in it (laughs) I haven't figured out yet how I wanted want to also navigate that for the business because I don't put out there that it um I guess if you read my write-up if you get as far to my website and you read the about section you're going to know that's a female owned and operated business um but which I had to do I dug (laughs) (laughs) well see you you put the work in and you got there Um, but even there's a there's a really great community of of uh welders and fabricators on social media as I know there is in every trade but um I love to like comment and learn off of other people's work. And I often will send people messages just being like, really like how you did this process. Like, you want to give me some pointers? I'd love to try it out. And everyone seems really um, generous with their, yeah. with giving, you know, their experiences and their knowledge. And I always get, hey buddy, or hey dude, or hey man, or, and I know that a lot of people use guys yeah. as a very yeah. casual term, but um, I, I, I sometimes I don't clarify and I don't know whether that's, it's, it's not because I feel um, inferior or anything like no. that. It's, it's almost like I almost don't want to like embarrass them. So then yeah. I think- No, I get that. I mean, cause I get, a, I get a similar thing, even though in like on Instagram, in my bio, it's pretty fucking clear that, <laughs> <laughs> that I am a woman, that I am a woman in a same sex marriage and that I yeah. am a mom. And I do these other things. Like I make it pretty blatantly clear and I will still get a really nice work dude on occasion, Uh, you know, and and I'll just be like, sometimes it depends on the mood, right? It depends on the mood I'm in. And I mean, I take the same approach of um, when I'm talking with somebody about my kids and they'll ask me about my husband. I take the same approach. Sometimes I feel like coming out for the millionth time to that individual person. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, my husband's an engineer and just go with it. Cause I just don't want to even like have to have that conversation. I get that. It's almost like you pick and choose just based on the reaction. And it's almost like I hate myself for, for censoring or, or um, censoring or like editing myself. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've gone in the habit of just being like my partner and I, cause I feel like that's pretty. Mm-hmm pretty obvious but um not as much anymore as it used to be not as much anymore as it used to be uh Uh, yeah no yeah 
I feel you on that one. And it's just uh, sometimes I, I think y'all have to also look at the specifics, everything's situational and you got to figure out whether it's, it's worth it to have that conversation with the person or whether it's not. And um, I do like when my colleagues or other welders in the industry know that I'm a female. Um, so I'm often like, uh, if they reach out and they, they say like, there's very uh, masculine, uh, yeah. what, uh, language or yeah yeah yeah. Or like, yeah yeah i i often i'm like uh i put my name but then my name doesn't help me out either because it's not like i'm katie i'm <laughs> so one one guy's gotten into calling me pal because i think he's not sure and i love that about him i love when he just went to pal rather than like dude or bud um because i think pal is not something you usually call your guy friend so i love that about him he's trying uh but yeah i i feel like you just gotta know this know that sometimes it's not worth it to have that conversation with that person and it's about safe and it's about safety too right i mean it is about safety um yeah yeah i think i took us down a rabbit hole but (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we might need another hour segment for that one (laughs) um but i i appreciate that you brought up too about people coming into your business like right and you're they're presented with you there's no getting around it they're presented with you um and that reaction and yeah yeah I just want to say sorry dudes who listen to my podcast I know sometimes I get off on a rant and I swear I don't hate men I really don't hate men Um, but I know it's just one of those things of like there are certain things that you don't have to think about and perhaps just being aware that you don't have to think about these things and then maybe being grateful that you don't have to think about these things yeah and it's almost like it's hard to have that conversation even with those guys because they almost don't see it Mm -hmm. and and I hope that that they don't take that for granted but oh yeah no let's not get into it no well I was gonna say I mean it's it's easy to take things for granted until you see it right if that makes sense until you see it so like just like today you know we're talking November 2nd the year 2020 it is no longer okay just to be a good person who's not racist you have to be like actively an ally Mm -hmm. if you're if you are a white person you have to be actively an ally uh, of uh, black and brown people right that's where we're at I say the same thing now that it's no longer enough at least to me personally for the men who are in my life to be just for them to be a good guy Mm -hmm. I need you I'm asking you, I'm telling you that I need you to be a ally to women and I need you to be an ally to LGBTQ plus. Like, that's what I need you to be. If you're going to be in my periphery, unless I'm stuck with you because you're family, like that's the only out that you get, right? (laughs) And I, yeah, I feel that. I don't, I too, I feel like I hold guys to a really high standard. Like you, I'm sorry, you got to be top notch if you want to, like, you know, and I, I don't know if that has anything to do with like my dad being a stand-up guy because mm-hmm. I don't have any brothers and mm-hmm. I'm gay. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but 
I have no tolerance in my life for people that are unaccepting of the LGBT community or have are misogynistic assholes. I'm sorry, I don't need your money. You do not need to be my customer. Um, and it's nice to be at that point where I feel like I don't have to, like I'm not desperate for their work. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice place to be because I feel like there were times where I took jobs on and I was just like, this doesn't feel good for anyone. So why mm-hmm. am I here? So that's one nice thing about being a business owner. And I do have fantastic customers. I have a lot of great customers that um, they don't even blink when they come through the door. They're just like, fuck sweet, let's go. Like, yeah. and that, that's, that's what I like to see. And, and I think that it will be at a point where it's, it's known, I'm, I'm more known within the community and you're only going to be walking through the door if you know that right. you're wanting to support that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks for going down the rabbit hole with me. We're actually, <laughs> we're actually at towards the end of our hour together. So I want to give you a chance to let people know, you know, how they can, find you and follow along with you on uh, all the interwebs yeah so on uh instagram it's freeman dot fabrication if you don't put the dot you're gonna be following some guy in the states who does automotive repair and he i hope he cares about um emails and traits but (laughs) (laughs) um uh and then the website is uh freemanfabrication.ca and uh yeah if you if you're a female in the trade and you want to um correspond i'd love learning about new fabricators work and just kind of where everyone's at in the industry um i love that culture so you can dm me or email me at fabrication at gmail.com um, yeah i just switch it up didn't you yeah i just switch it up just <laughs> keep everyone on their toes also because he the male in the states had that email so i hope he's a nice guy <laughs> <laughs> quite a few emails probably um yeah I really thanks Katie for bringing me on and and uh I know I don't have half or even like a 30 second of the following of many of your other uh speakers um yes but, uh, but what's you. important is you have a story see I, every female every female maker has a story and so that's it's right so thanks for giving not me about the following no and I, I don't really aspire to have that big of a following either. I could never see myself being a content creator. I don't think people would follow along. <laughs> I'm sure they would. Don't, don't dis, discount, uh, you know, discredit yourself. Maybe I think I had, a, if I had a little bit more time, but it there you go. Yeah. it's pretty labor intensive, uh, putting out content. I will say that. And it's not for everybody either. No. If you're happy behind behind uh, a helmet and with a torch in your hand, then that's where you should be. Perfect. And follow along if you want to see what we're building, because we've got some really neat projects coming in uh, January, which I'm really excited about. So awesome. Yeah. All right. So again, that was Bronte Freeman. Uh, You can find how you can follow along with her by checking out the links in the description for the episode. So if you're listening to the audio, just check out the description on your podcast app. And if you are watching on YouTube, check out the description down below for links on how to follow along with Bronte on social media. Uh, Now, if you're really liking the podcast, please remember to hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening or watching. Uh, Head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment down below. All of that helps the algorithms know that people are enjoying the podcast and they will serve it up for more people to find. 
if you want to take it a step further, make sure you're following along with the podcast on Instagram at Maker Mom Podcast. Share about your favorite episode, favorite new maker that you've learned about. Tag Maker Mom Podcast. Make sure I see that. I really enjoy uh, seeing who you decide to share, and I will share it out as well. Now, if you want to uh, join the tribe over on Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Maker Mom Podcast. Go ahead and check that out. There's four different tier levels. Any of the tier levels gets you access to additional content, such as uh, live podcast interviews, which means you get to listen while the interview is happening. So you'd have access to it before anybody else, and you get an opportunity to ask uh, the maker questions at the end of the episode. So uh, if you want to check that out, there's a one, three, five dollar tier level that comes with different merchandise and then a $30 a month tier level, which makes you an official sponsor of the podcast, getting your own little ad spot in every episode every week. There's only one more of those spots left. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, check that out sooner rather than later. Lastly, if you just want to get a Maker Mom podcast t-shirt or sticker, uh, reach out to me on Instagram at Maker Mom Podcast. Send me a direct message and we will make that happen for you. All right. So when I am not interviewing and editing and creating podcast episodes, you can find me designing and making furniture and home decor for bold homes at freemanfurnishings.com. And pretty much at Freeman Furnishings across all the social media. I am most active on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. That's where I keep everything most up to date so you can see what projects I have currently going on. All right, so it is the middle of the week. I hope you are all staying safe and healthy, and uh, I will see you on Friday.